Hey everybody, welcome, greetings, Coach Matt here. Hey, you know, I was reading some uh, Reddit subs and was on some Facebook groups re recently, and I uh, coupled that with a, a lot of years of experience in consultation and landscaping and such, and I'm gonna bring to you today a very common problem that emerges and makes this week's topic the number one killer of residential landscapes. It is so common and used most every day, yet it wields so much killing power that folks tend to ignore or overlook it. It is an element that, for the most part, if you withhold it, everything's gonna die. You probably know what it is, but stay with me and I'll reveal it and the Goldilocks effect. Glad you're here. Hey, I'm Matt and you can call me coach. Every week I bring to you landscape tips and tricks and design concepts in an easy to understand format so you can tackle projects yourself, get the results you want, be more self-reliant than ever before, and save a boatload of money in the process. You know, after a 20 plus year career as a successful self-employed landscape designer, contractor, and educated in ornamental hort and retail nursery management, I think I really bring a lot of knowledge and experience that I want to share with you, the modern, educated, self-reliant homeowner of today. You know, of all the problems that I have consulted on in the landscape, death, owner despair, frustration, and waste of money on landscaping, it is this, H2O, water. Water is the number one killer of landscapes and it surrounds the out of balance Goldilocks syndrome as it applies to the landscaping and care of your landscape investment. It really sounds kind of counterintuitive, doesn't it? I mean, you all remember the childhood story of Goldilocks, right? You know, this porridge is too hot, this porridge is too cold, this porridge is just right, this bed is too hard, this bed is too soft, this one is just right. Well, you know, applying this to water in the landscape, the same philosophy applies. I have seen countless times where too much water has killed, too little water has killed, and then there's that sweet spot of just right. But the tricky part, guys, is how do we find that sweet spot? You know, we've all seen that neighbor in the neighborhood who always seems to have that sweet spot where nothing's dying, nothing's wrong, it's always perfect, blah, blah, blah. I really believe it is combining a few knowledgeable aspects of what your landscape can do and more importantly, what the landscape cannot do. When I speak to water, it is not only what the owner applies from the house or well water, but also when the heavens open up and how water is controlled and diverted in order to not create death zones in the yard and collection points which drown plants out over and over again or literally erodes ground away, exposing roots and foundations and everything else. One important knowledge aspect to have is really grounded in your head, no pun intended, is what soil you have. You know, do you have a, like I hear all the time about the heavy red clay soils down in Georgia and those areas. Uh, the sandy loam soils that we had in the Central Valley of California for the most part. Or sandy period, like what I've discovered down in Arizona 
or some kind of variance in between. Then, what plants have you selected? What amending is necessary to the soil for the success of those selected plants? What continuous amending is to be placed in or on the soil for constant incorporation and soil improvement? Then what water retention does the soil have afterwards? That is where slow drip irrigation in most soils is best. Water applied deeply and infrequently is usually a key to that just right type of soil conditions and water conditions. The other aspect of landscape death comes from poor grading and little to no water control from an installed or lack thereof installed drainage system. Flooded beds, standing water, dips in the yard that hold water and drain out very slowly are usually the culprits of plant death. Except for some water plants, plants were not made to have water-soaked roots and a almost anaerobic environment to live in where no oxygen exists and nothing transpires and nothing breathes. You, as humans, we can't breathe underwater. Why would you expect your plants to? You know, we are not bald cypresses and we are not water lilies. So you can't expect 98, 99% of all the plant world out there for residential landscapes to do that type of environment at all for very long, not even a week. Now, when it comes to turf areas, the same approach kind of exists. What soil you got? What amendment have you done preparing for the, the new sod bed? And how much water to hit that sweet spot of moisture levels? If you find water running off your lawn really quick and onto the sidewalk or driveway or patio or whatever, that is a huge sign the, the, of not only water waste, but a lack of water penetration. You know, you can either dial those time zones down for that particular area or check on the soil conditions that have developed and probably a good aeration and a compost or peat moss infill will go miles and miles to improve that turf's water retention capability. Out in the, the arid southwest and drought-stricken areas, we went to kind of an underground drip for lawn areas in order to use 80% less water and still get that beautiful sweet spot for the turf's moisture needs. You know, if you're interested, check out uh, Netafim drip systems if you're interested. Netafim is spelled N-E-T-A capital F-I-M, Netafim. And we laid that, you know, six, eight inches under the ground and stapled them all down and then backfilled with good topsoil and compressed it and compacted and planted a, a 1,000 square foot sod lawn Holy cow, the, the neighbors were going, hey, how do you keep your lawn so green and we never see sprinklers on? It was the first one in the neighborhood, but certainly not the last. Hey, lastly, when landscapes do not receive enough water, enough, landscapes perish as well. Duh. I have seen this repeatedly on new landscapes when people do a couple of things. A, they fly the coop and go on a vacation and four days in the mountains when their valley was 104 degrees and oh yeah, we forgot to put the timer into uh, action. We set it to off and we forgot. 
Quick story, back in 2003, I completed a job that was probably a little over $40,000 worth of client's money. The client left two days after we finished and vacation in Fiji for two weeks. It was October, but the temperatures were still in the mid to high 80s. They were gone for two weeks. When they returned, they found a brand new landscape, green-wise, barely clinging to life, and all dead sod. They called screaming, literally screaming at me that everything I planted was dying or dead. And what was I going to do about it? Well, I tell you something. When I arrived, because Matt don't kill plants, I discovered they had messed with the timer to try to do it all fancy other than what I left it for them at. They left it in the off position for some untold reason. Well, we ended up replacing many plants and all the dead sod was on their dime and I showed them again how to operate the timer and don't get all fancy on it. You know, going back to the Goldilocks uh, syndrome a second, this one is too dry, usually comes from, uh, I would call them newbies that are very unfamiliar with yard care and have not taken the time nor inclination to improve. They kind of like, you know, throw something in the ground or in a pot to make themselves or someone happy, then they never water the damn thing, or it is in the wrong spot to begin with, or they leave and the thing dries out and dies. You know, then you, then you hear the old stupid plant, you know, just dies on me, jeez, never again. Um, really? R really? I read a post on Reddit recently that basically asks, hey, do I have to do all this tilling and weeding and amending and fertilizing to put a new sod lawn in? Or can I just lay it over the, lay it over the existing stuff and call it good? Won't it smother out all the weeds and you know, do what it's supposed to do? I really believe that if we do things right and do it right the first time, I think if we do that, we can avoid that old adage of cause and effect. Whatever effort you put in will be the reward you reap. Sound familiar? You know, I was taught that a long time ago. So, hey, to sum it up, to sum it up what we're talking about here, the Goldilocks syndrome and the number one killer of landscapes, water is the number one killer. Remember, too little, too much, or just right. If you can commit that to memory, you'll be yards ahead of the game and everyone else. Don't forget drainage and grading. That is a great support tool and tasks to keep the landscape from flooding, eroding, and killing from too much water. Attain some knowledge of your soil and the correct plants and their placement will go miles in preventing landscape death, it really will. Amending those soils to improve the plantability and to retain water and improve drainage. Use drip systems whenever possible for plants to release that water slowly infrequently and deeply. That deep and infrequent is best, but not too infrequent, guys. Don't forget about it, especially if you haven't automated your system yet. Use technology. Technology nowadays, accompanying some of the timers that were out there, they have moisture meters on them now, they have rain sensors on them now, they have percentages that you can dial in, and if you really study up on it and play with it a little bit, those timers can almost do it all for you. Hey, and don't forget this, containers and ground plants, if you really want an old-fashioned, 
old world test that I was taught when I was a newbie. Do the second knuckle test. No, I'm serious. Do the second knuckle test. If you can take your if you can take your finger and stick it into the soil and you're still finding wet dirt at your second knuckle, then postpone watering for a day or so. It is not the surface, but the moisture a little ways down that really, really counts. Now, a little disclaimer and a little caution note here, especially on containers. If you have a small you know, container of cell pack annuals and stuff uh, in pots, they may need a little more checking and require a little more frequent uh, moisture. But then again, then again, if it's moist on the surface, it's going to be moist underneath. So don't get carried away as far as making it too complicated. You know, I sure hope this demystifies some water habits in those yards that always seem to have that sweet spot dialed in. You can too. And maybe you haven't faced this yet, but maybe you know someone who has. With a little bit of education, some DI sweat equity, and monitoring your yard, you can avoid all of the Goldilocks syndrome, except for that sweet spot. Hey guys, thanks for staying with me today. You will see me again, like always, every Friday. Hey, don't forget to join uh, Coach's Crew for your weekly newsletter and DIY landscape checklist, which will be in the description below. And have that pro in your pocket, like me, that is always just an email away. I appreciate your attention. I hope your day is a good one. Take care. I'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Yard Coach. Check out the original videos on YouTube at Yard Coach or email Coach Matt at youryardcoach at gmail.com. And hey, did you get your free 15-step landscaping project checklist? Check out the podcast description below for the link to your free PDF as well as the YouTube channel for more great information for the DIYer in you. See you next week.